WNBC. Hail Hydra. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm just kidding. You know what? I'm also representing Cobra Kai. Oh, look at you. First strike hard, no mercy. Nice. So I'm, re- I'm, I'm representing all, all the bad guys in this one. <laughs> hey, you always did love the bad guys when we were kids. Yeah, playing I, did. I was always shit. more into the villains. Was Cobra Kai really the bad guy? Nah, well, the, huh? the, the teacher was the, the, the master, but. Have you seen those uh, it was trailers? His teachings that... What is it like? The true something trailer? What do they call those fucking things? Um, basically, <sighs> somebody recut story. it. It was a great story. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. They recut the Karate Kid trailer to look like Daniel Sons evil and the bad guy. So, if I can, talking about. this is this is uh, really obnoxious, and I'm and I'm uh, uh, honest trailer. That's honest it. trailer. Yeah, the honest trailer. Thank you. We have a She's hidden Disney rep in here listening because we're talking to somebody who was rumored to be working on Captain America four, and of course has worked with Disney. And there's all these things we can't talk about. So we've got big sister Taryn listening, and she just told us honest trailer. So Cheers. she is our young Jamie. If you're a Rogan fan, so mm-hmm. feel free to throw any facts at us that we fuck up, Taryn. She sure is a fact. Yes, she's a she's a live fact checker. She's like um, a amongst other things. Right. We're here with Dalen Musson. Pronounce that right? Yeah. First time. Uh, yeah, you got, no, you got it. All right, all right. What is that? Scottish? Uh, that is Central European, French, yeah. probably. Something yeah. like that. Some sort of like... Uh, I don't people know. that would have mustaches like that? West India. Yes. <laughs> well, very few people can have a mustache like this. I mean, these days, for sure. That's impressive. Dalen Musson. Hi screenwriter worked so on far. falcon and the winter soldier which sure i finally did. just finished watching it's fucking amazing dude. oh good I'm glad i was actually like kind of scared to watch Nicely it done. not gonna lie just yeah because if you don't like it then you have to talk to me you're well, like i've been meaning to watch it for forever but again part of the reason we do this podcast is because i have a list of shit a mile long to watch and then whoever comes on kind of gives me an impetus to knock something off the list you know um having a kid will do that shit to you but that stuff, like I said, that Captain America stuff with John Walker and everything, to me, as a kid, mid-90s. That storyline was awesome. That the was the shit. That's Captain America's crowning moment to me, that whole through line. Yes. I didn't stick around to read Civil War and all that. I've only experienced that through the movies. But uh, as far as my, I think about mid-90s, we probably stopped reading comics for the most part, right? It's like once I went in the military and shit like that. Graduated high but school. And- that oh, right there is it's primo primo dude and the fact that you guys were touching on it i was just like eh, what's gonna happen but, yeah uh, it was Heller. cool they they gave us a lot of leeway to play with stuff that we thought was really fun and and being a comic book fan like be, being able to pick from you know storylines from publishing that are interesting and compelling and get to it's put a gold mine twist on. Yeah. yeah no it really is so that part super and fun. then you get to ground it all like flag smasher mm-hmm. the character is this big hawking dude with like a fucking mace or morning yeah. star or whatever with a cape and shit but you guys can take it diffuse it uh, make it a multi-person movement essentially mm-hmm. and change who the figurehead of that movement would be which is cool yeah i a mean a lot of leeway yeah well you know it's like a lot of the stuff from publishing when you look at it in the time might yeah. not have been corny but right it's yeah. like if oh, you take the if you take the og carl morgenthau flag smasher character and put him on screen as is eh, it's absurd mm-hmm. is the, i mean just the belt buckle alone <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is a little much Man, i know you're a fan of big belt buckles and shit but i do i kind of want to see it <laughs> I, I do like a large belt buckle yeah that kind of sold uh, me on it actually <laughs> yeah i should really that should be like my one piece of swag from the show is i should get go. an og flag smasher belt yes buckle. yes and nobody Man. will ever pick like that's one of those like deep dive like references that just no one would ever get and if they did you just marry well until you wear it to a comic-con or something oh yeah touche there'll be some folks there for sure some old bearded dudes that'll be the true test right right dusted bearded dudes like wait i'm used to the i'm used to like not the san diego comic-con as it's turned into but i'm used to the like comic-con's lowercase where it's 
a boys and girls club in yes. Palmdale in the high desert. What it was when we were kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just yeah. a bunch of guys with long boxes and you just walk in and you flip through and, you know, one of them has a poster of something and like right. one guy has bootleg VHS copies yes. of like a Roger. Corman I want a time movie. machine to go back to that shit. Oh, yeah. The week, the week before in that church basement, it had been a baseball card signing with like <laughs> totally. yeah, exactly. fucking Brewers player from the 80s or something. Right, right. Rick Ankeel or yes. somebody was there out go. there or he was rumored to show up and then Kent Herbeck. Yeah. <laughs> Gary Gaetti in the house. Anyway, um, what about that Captain America movie from the nineties, man? I know. Man. I was thinking of that as I watched this, like <laughs> the, the juxtaposition. Shield. Oh, oh my man. god! Well, just the idea that as kids we felt so just—I mean, when the Punisher movie was coming out, and then it's this Dolph Lundgren, "Why must the guilty live? Why the innocent die?" And everything. You're just like, are they ever going to get it right? And they're finally, never going to get it right. And then they haven't not gotten it right since. You're implying right. that that wasn't right. How dare you? <laughs> it's got its place for sure. But yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I think that you know that's arguably. I mean, we love trauma movies and shit, so it has yeah. its place for sure. Yeah. But I'm just saying, uh, as far as the cinematic universe that's in play now, it's insane. Man. It's what we would have just geeked out over completely and lost our minds totally. over as kids. It's I cool. wonder though, I wonder if there isn't a certain amount of appreciation that, cause we went through sort of the, the mm. earlier versions, let's I say. So. Now the incredible the, Hawk TV show that was clutch. That, see <laughs> that, but that the OG Spider-Man show, Forget like Spider Man and his amazing friends with Firestar and Iceman. Yes, you have all that stuff that led you to the yes. big budget, sort of yeah. bombastic, crazy stuff. It is cool so, to check it. Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, what? No, it was uh, it was a thing. I mean, he, if I'm not mistaken, Corman was also the fan that was the Captain America. Um, yeah, I think he was behind that too. Oh, somehow, you might be right, Taryn. Look it up. Or I'm, <laughs> or I'm gonna get a bunch of letters from people yeah, right. that are like, "How dare you not know it was such and such that made that?" Mm, there goes your no prize. Yeah. <laughs> Remember oh, those? God, yeah, did you sure ever, do. Uh, did you ever write should, a letter into the editor? Yes, I count? desperately wanted one, and uh, still to this day haven't received one. But did you ever write a letter? Of course I did. Really? Did yeah, I wrote a letter. letter. I thought about it. But no. I wrote a letter to multiple um, letters pages trying to get one. Do you remember your best uh, no prize you were trying to get? <laughs> um, I I wrote into Gru, Gru the Wanderer, back oh, when it yes, was at yes. Marvel for like Vaguely this long. That. Yeah. I wrote into Gru trying to get one, but that was hard. So, <laughs> Do you remember what the... Uh... Yeah, like, because that's the whole point of a no was. prize is to catch an error, right? Uh, that was one of the ways, but it depends. It also, if I'm not mistaken, it depended on who the editor in chief of Marvel Publishing was at the time, how often they would give them out, or whether they were willing to give them out. Um, mm -hmm. I, I seem to remember that one of the publishers was very vehemently against no prizes. Mm. Um, no fun. But so which is hilarious though to make it this super exclusive thing when there's not even a trophy or anything for right. it. Right. You know? But that's what makes it so exclusive. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the genius of Marvel. They planted all the seeds back then, man. Jack Kirby, fucking obviously Stan Lee. It's like I mean, Captain America really was created like the fucking forties or something. Yeah, he it? was in the forties, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, he was it, it I believe that was before it was even called Marvel. Right. I believe it was the previous, I can't remember the previous publishing imprint name, but um, if I'm not mistaken, he was like, it was him, the original Human Torch, the Android one, mm -hmm. and uh, Namor. Uh, Which is so trippy, man. When you look at yeah. Marvel history is insane. It's just crazy Marvel. mythology. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It makes Byzantine. every religious system and everything just pale by comparison with that much can you imagine by the way like twenty thousand years from now aliens show up and yeah. they're like unearthing human society can you imagine they find all the marvel no, history they think it's and our religion like, and yeah yeah <laughs> these are our heroes isn't it 
I guess yeah, yeah in a way. Yeah, and that's uh, well, that Joseph Campbell said that I think it was about Star Wars, but you know, similar thing that you know that's the modern you know version of what yeah. served as you know for the Greek and, yeah, the Greeks and their gods and such. Yeah, you know, these archetypes and stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. I met Jack Kirby at a uh, comic convention in Atlanta in, in high school when I was in high school and chatted with him for a good while, too. He uh, he was telling war stories, World War II stories and stuff. Me and my friends all were making comic books at the time of our own. And uh, we were like in the front row when he was there and stuff. And then after he was done, he just came down and started chatting with us. That was awesome. So good. I've only ever heard the best things about him that people, he was nice just guy. so gracious and so mm -hmm. kind with his time and, and Very humble. Yeah. And to have such an impact on so many kids lives over so many decades and to keep and to still be human about it, I think is really like, it's really awesome. Yeah. His humanity comes through in the characters. In his creator, work. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Dude, the silver surfer. Come on. I mean, all of them, like yeah. I, all the characters that I mean, you Cap, love, of course. Well, yeah, yeah, it's like when we talk about this being the new religion, it's like it is probably where I got a lot of my moral compass from with great power comes great mm -hmm. responsibility. Mm -hmm. Captain America himself, like I'm mean, oh, great moral lessons from comics that probably would supersede anything I would have learned in a church had I gone to one, you know, with any regularity. I I guess it lands differently because it's packaged in a more yeah. um, digestible format for, mm -hmm. you know, some, certainly a lot of kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were reading, well, and we grew up in that era in the late eighties into early nineties where they were telling pretty adult stories, man. Yeah. Craven's last hunt, shit like that. Um, oh yeah. I mean, stuff. Sin that eater. Now. Yeah. The sin eater story. Oh my God. Yeah. Dude, yeah. That was the raddest shit ever. <laughs> I think what's interesting that you talk about that is that's, you know, for me, you look at the generational chain evolution really of, you know, the people that grew up reading the comics in the 40s made the comics in the 60s, you know, Stanley and Jack Kirby, right? And then the people that grew up reading those sort of, you know, the, the, golden age super well that, that silver age i guess technically or the whatever that transitionary period is but they started making you know kids that grew up reading that became the creators of that sort of bronze age stuff where they thought okay well what's the evolution of the storytelling it can't just be the same mm -hmm. villain of the week good guy bad guy we have to work in shades of gray and these more adult themes because they were adult creators at that point and then when you look at the Ed Brubaker, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, Warren Ellis, Garth Ennis, all those guys that grew up reading those books, yeah. you know, the same books that we're talking about. They grew then up with Watchmen and shit. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then moved on and created the books that then take us forward into, like, who are the, like, we're going to see the creators now telling the stories based on that stuff. The, the evolution to me is really fun to track and really yeah. fun to see you know, the impact of those, I mean, it's me, like, it's, it's what, you know, we did on the show is, is like, you're saying, like, all the stories that I grew up reading as a contemporary in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, created the foundation that, that I got to distill down into the stuff that I went like this and wrote and everybody made right. awesome on screen it's really cool it's really how much did you geek out when you got that call that you got staffed up on the show i can't tell man i would <laughs> i embarrass myself i literally no exaggeration i had to go sit in a private area i was at the animal shelter when i got the phone call and i had to go i would like had to excuse myself and i went and sat and i just bawled my eyes yes, out i would too dude it's just yeah, it was huge it was it was full circle. Un unbelievable mm -hmm. I mean, dream come true. Just yeah. 100% like dream come true. It's not just, you know, quote unquote, another job. It really was something special and it really is incredible to have been a part of something like that. And it, it's like, it's what, you know, I'll always remember the phone call when I sold my first thing and I'll, I'll always remember kind of what I was doing and where I was and who was around me and all that stuff. And same thing there. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. I want to, I, I, you know, I keep my modesty intact and, you know, 
I, I try and remember, you know, be humble and it's your first day on every job and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that was something special. For sure, dude. It'd be hard to contain yourself. Plus, on top of it, you're getting to work with Malcolm. Spellman's one of the coolest fucking dudes around. That's true. You know, I mean, and this show is special. It's like you guys, man, let me ask you this. I don't know if this report is true or not, because um, most of these streamers are so protective of their algorithms and numbers and everything. But, of course, you probably saw that thing going around that 80% of people stopped watching episode two at the same point. Did you see this story? And of course, it was the story where he meets Isaiah, or the section where he meets Isaiah is where all these people stop watching. Hmm. That tells you how vital the show is. Right. You know what I mean? That's how much it's needed. That was the scene where, the, probably more than meeting Isaiah when they go outside and get accosted by the cops. Oh. That's where a lot of people probably was like, I'm sick of this woke shit, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, dudes, the show hey, is man. vital for that. The fact that all those people would turn it off, if that's true, though, I'm saying proves why we need to tell stories like this. I would, be, I would be really interested to hear where they got that information. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it may not even be true. Yeah, I, I would be shocked. I don't know. But 80% is what threw me off. If you had said yeah, 30 that's, uh, or something, maybe I would have bought it, but 80 just sounds insane. Listen, so. I, has 80% of everybody ever done anything? Like, that seems right. like an awfully high number. If you were a like, few things, but they're all disgusting. If you were like... If you had $1 million in a briefcase, I doubt 80% of people on the street would accept it if you offered it to them. Because <laughs> they'd be like, I don't know. I don't want to pay a lot of taxes. Something weird would happen. Mm -hmm. so strings 80, are attached. Like yeah. Where's the camera? Right. Exactly. Yeah. An 80% number? I don't yeah. know. Call me. Agreed. Crazy. I say the same. I'm just throwing it out there. that I also, for what it's worth, like I pay zero attention to that kind of stuff because sure. I don't read. I don't read reports and stuff like that i don't read the trades I, I try and i don't see a lot of benefit to myself yeah with that i just try and kind of do stuff i think is fun and cool focus and on hope. the creative yeah, and, yeah, yeah exactly and just like man once it's out the there yeah once it's out there people get to respond how they respond and i mean i'm curious to see but i try to not give a shit you know what I mean? But I'm sure it may taint me a little bit looking up reviews or whatever of something you've made. But uh, Don't do it. I mean, I honestly don't care, though. Chris and I have a Good. saying, yeah. like it so, or don't. That's our creative process. It's like, if you don't dig it, fuck it. We made it for ourselves anyway, really. That's the stuff we make. I mean, Yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've worked on stuff that isn't amazing, and I've worked on stuff that I think is really important and impactful and has resonance and whoop-de-whoop-de-woo but yeah i don't know you start it's all getting been fun. yeah i just that's what i try and do is i try and enjoy myself and i don't want to get in my own head about stuff yeah that's like what are you gonna do I mean, are you gonna are you gonna change your next thing because you're like oh reviewers didn't like that i mean mm -hmm. the the most i don't want to just talk about myself over and over again i'm really sorry but like i got a bunch of people hitting me up. There's a random throwaway line in the episode that, you know, has my name on it mm -hmm. um, that people loved. And I was like, really? This is okay. I'm glad Which you like it. it. There's, they're, they're fixing, Sam and Bucky are fixing the boat mm -hmm. and they, something breaks and they go to screw a, you know, Bucky helps him like screw a, a, a pipe together. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Sam says, why didn't you just use the metal arm? And Bucky goes, oh, I don't always think of it immediately. Yeah, I'm right-handed. That was a cool touch. And people just were like, this is amazing. And I was like. You know what? why, though? Because that's so rare, especially in bigger That people stuff. are right-handed? No, that a movie would take a second or a show would take the a writer second would to consider acknowledge it. something that isn't plot-driven whatsoever. That's um, purely just a character thing. You know what I mean? Just a little hmm. flair of character. That's all it is. Um but that shit, sadly to me, is pretty rare. That's why I think the show is great. Oh, I think cool. those are the kinds of lines that make it great. The plot stuff is cool and all, mm -hmm. but anyone could come up with comic book high concept plotting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Double the character crosses. stuff is the gold, like the making amends stuff with, you know, right. the, the Winter Soldiers, you know, um, yeah. and their chemistry, the bromance was, was beautiful. Love that. 
I feel like Dynamic. that's a lot of honestly, thank you uh, for saying so. I, I feel like that's a lot of what the the show allows you to do as opposed to, you know, a movie. I mean, yep. just by virtue yeah. of the amount of time you get to spend with the characters and the amount of breathing room that you get. Mm-hmm. Can I think, yeah. And you get to explore a lot of what makes these characters so beloved by people. Like I, I you know, one of my favorite Marvel movies is Civil War. And some of these guys just show up on screen and I'm just dying laughing. Like, man, they open the van door and Paul Rudd wakes up. Yes. I am losing my mind because <laughs> I love that character because they've done so much to make him yeah. funny and valuable and interesting. So I'm, yeah, I'm a. That is the thing, though, about having a cinematic universe is that you're laying that groundwork with each movie, yes. kind of as a show does with each episode, you know? And that's what comics do. That's why. Like yeah. you said, we loved him because these characters are so fully fleshed out. I will say about the movies, no lie, as somebody who loves writing action because we feel action's a great way to reveal a character, most action scenes in movies, I find myself falling asleep because they're not revealing a ton of character in it. It's just cool stunts and you know set-driven yep. stunts or whatever, which is cool. But I do think a lot of tentpole movies could trade an action set piece for some of those quieter character moments. It would probably be better for it. A lot of times they have two climaxes, you know, (laughs) look at Avatar, shit like that. It's like two big wars at the end almost. I think you have a very good point there. And I think it's what Marvel has done very, very well over the, you know, decade plus that they've been doing this is a lot of that action is truly driven by and, and, and and grounded in character and mm-hmm. it, it it those things matter and there's intention right. um and it's you know it's i think it's one of the things that we were really cognizant of when we were making the show or when we were writing the show and it's what we were really working hard on trying to do is make sure that those things make sense and it isn't just i i think the death is wouldn't it be cool if and and that's completely divorced from everything else because anybody, we any group of anybody can sit around and just think of cool things that could happen. Mm-hmm. But why are those things happening mm-hmm. is tougher, but I think ultimately more important. When the when the you know, not to not to talk about somebody you know, a random movie too much. Not that it's random. I, one of the things I loved about Civil War so much is when they change when everybody chooses sides, you're like, I get it. Yep. It makes sense. Nobody's wrong. Yep. And when they have to fight, you know, in the big airport set piece, nobody's wrong. Yeah. And everything means something. When, you know, Hawkeye and, and Black Widow bang heads, it's like it's almost like this weird professional rib- it's like a like, it's yeah. like it's almost like the sheriff and the and the um fire department playing softball against each other like sorry <laughs> right just i gotta hit a dinger off you buddy right. um, exactly. <laughs> so i yeah i i really you know it's more interesting to me as opposed to just like you said it's just i don't know let's just chase this guy over here and maybe he falls off a bridge and then a plane blows up right yeah that was and, one of the and things falcon and, go ahead. Go ahead. well in falcon and the winter soldier all the fight scenes were informed and had stakes those kinds of stakes like it was a fight over the shield literally in some cases and like i don't know i don't want to give away too many spoilers so i won't continue but the, it's there are two a lot of... months man it's yeah. been two okay. months as of this recording it's yeah. been two months since we spoil everything right. falcon getting his wings ripped off and stuff like the symbolic you know nature of that and everything just a lot of moments throughout that you know give it much more power and it does multiple things i mean that's why you guys are firing all cylinders because that's also the moment where he's like oh shit what did you do johnny walker took the fucking super soldier serum so there's this huge Mm -hmm. epiphany yes even tied into that crazy where did the strength come from Mm -hmm. yeah And, and i think a lot of what we were trying to do when we were discussing those options and we were making those decisions was like what does this mean why you know, does this track with the character, things like that. And then you make, you know, he's, you know, he, John Walker is grappling with these different ideas, you know, in that fight that you're referring to. I think all of those things, you know, again, it's, it's the, it's the, they're informed by character and that's what makes it, I think, interesting ultimately and really important and not just feel like. And resonate. Makes you care. Yeah. 
it matters. It matters because it matters to the characters. Right. Like at the end of the day, look, you're watching Titanic. You know the boat's going to sink. Mm-hmm. How do you get there? How do you make people care? Right, right. Yeah. Not to talk shit, but I feel like that's why I think Marvel is just so on point with that approach because I feel like some of those Netflix shows, like the Daredevil had some amazing action set pieces, but they felt like just kick-ass choreographed action set pieces a lot of times. You never felt those personal stakes or whatever. They didn't find a way to do that, you know? And again, maybe laying a lot of that groundwork over all these movies with these characters and shit helps, but at the same time, it's just a matter of priorities as storytellers and Disney and Marvel since they, well, I mean, Marvel before Disney even acquired them, were crushing it, you know? This whole cinematic universe from ground one, the casting too. Yeah, well, I was just going to say that the casting is huge. All the right moves on that front. Dude, Thor, come on. I'm, I mean, how could you cast the best? Better than right. Hemsworth, dude. The, the, you can't. No, you he's can't. It would completely perfect. Tony Stark runs the risk of sucking. Robert yeah. Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. I mean, come on. Yeah, he started it all and just yes. I mean, getting real actors like a Ruffalo in there, you know? Mm-hmm. Not I think Ed they, Norton isn't an amazing actor too, but. I think they do a really good job of finding people that as soon as they're in the role, you think, well, nobody else could have done yeah. this. You Chad literally Man. can't, you literally can't picture anybody else as Iron Man. Right. Yeah. Chad, exactly. Chadwick Boseman. Ev- basically everybody you think, oh, couldn't have been anybody. Couldn't have been anybody else. This would not have worked. Right. That's one of our favorite games is to just recast a movie Ooh. man what would you do if you remade this movie with who you know but you, we can't fuck with it with marvel i mean no you'd be making oh boy pointless. things would get weird real fast yeah exactly yeah could you imagine well speaking i was of, thinking danny devito for thanos <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> ralph macchio is <laughs> you're going back to the roger corman version yeah, of infinity segue. war right. unfortunately <laughs> Uh, I was trying a insane segue to Ralph Macchio because, again, another aspect of this, Oof. as we normally use as our icebreaker, but didn't even need with you because we went into immediate fucking Bronze Age okay, geek out mode. But, uh, oh, here's one before I even get into that. I'll fuck my own segue up. Do you remember the Scourge? That was like the plot line just before U.S. Agent shit hit in Captain America. It was like issue uh-huh. 319. There's this character, the Scourge, and they basically used him like studios use a writer's strike to just get rid of all the dead wood and shit, all these <laughs> shitty villains they had. Yes. Just, yeah, this guy going around just, just filled a room full of villains. them at one point. And just, yeah. <laughs> he'd call a yeah. sea of love. He'd pull a sea of love mood and just fucking mow them all down. That was cool. It'd be fun to play with the scourge sometime if they ever go was back. It, yeah. Was it as late That's as, phase as 12. Captain America 300s, though? I thought it was earlier than that. I think it went on for a long time, but I think he it He was always around. He was one of those characters that would just like... The last page or two, they would just pull him out and put him in their issue. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he would show up. Yeah, Scourge of the Underworld. I did like that in the the comics, the crossover stuff. They had the Inferno thing when like hell came through like New York and the whole Mm -hmm. earth pretty much. And it was in Daredevil and everything, you know, and uh, Civil War was like what they've done with the films. Yeah, which is great. That's one of the cooler aspects of comics is to again, it's that whole world that all these characters occupy is so rich. I mean, I remember going back through individual issues and they have the whole list of like, oh, if you want to know what actually happened here, make sure you buy power pack number Mm -hmm. seven. And you're like, you scandalous. (laughs) I cannot believe this. That's when I'm reading at the newsstand in like three days and shit. (laughs) My allowance is only so much on me. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're like, these are a buck 25 each. I'm really dating myself now. Dude, I remember. Um, yeah, when yeah, you can only, them when they were I, you 75 know. cents, I think, even right. Oh, I remember. Uh, yeah. yeah, I remember yeah. those. Yeah. It was crazy. Oh, yeah, when the mutant massacre was happening. Yes. Mm-hmm. When Flash Thompson was getting framed as Hobgoblin. Oh, oh my yes. God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <Ooh>. Epic. <laughs> we're so stuck in the past. There's so much cool mean, shit I've missed. I with know. It. But they Back started doing the alternate Earth shit. It's a hard thing to keep up with. Once you start messing with the alternate Earths, like there if you is... go to Marvel wikis, it's insane. That's one thing I love about the new Loki series that it involves like disrupting the timeline. And this, there's this one sanctified, you know, a sacred timeline and Loki keeps violating it, all these different versions of Loki. And so that's that's a great concept. I mean, really, one timeline is a little too much for me to handle. So I can't imagine. <laughs> right. <anymore. laughs> exactly. Right. 
exactly. Well, we've been talking about cinematic universes and shit, and it's funny, as I was segueing before into your favorite movie, Karate Kid, the mm-hmm. Karate Kid. Yes. That that shit has become a cinematic universe. It's so fucking cool. I love that a, sh- a movie like that from the 80s can become a cinematic universe. Like, first of all, I- you had the next Karate Kid, which was Pat Morita, Mr. Miyagi training a girl, right? Well, that was, that was four. Spank? That was Karate Kid 4. Right, so you okay. had Karate, Karate Kid, Kid 2, 4. where he went to um, Okinawa, Okinawa yeah. and then you had Karate Kid 3, where I don't remember what happened. A lot of people shit on 3. I love 3. That's where Terry Silver... That's right. It's fucking, the Terry Silver one. I loved him I, as a bad guy. But, you know. under, underrated. Yeah. I, rem- I rewatched that not too long ago. And apparently he's coming back in the next season. Of um, and I can't out. believe I forgot it. Um, nice. And then 4 is Hilary Swank. Right. And then now... Yeah. Three yeah, seasons Smith. of Cobra Kai. Oh, yeah. and Cobra Kai, right. I've only seen the first right. season. I fucking binge-watched that when you said Karate Kid, because, again, it's something I've been meaning to check out, and I fucking love what they did with it, dude. I think William Zabka, however you pronounce his name, is fucking yep. killer in it. <laughs> I love... Um, I had an idea for years to take Encyclopedia Brown and make him like this alcoholic shithead. <laughs> He's 50 years old now, but there's this one case he never cracked one as a kid. Case. And it comes back somehow that he gets a chance as this drunk to go solve it or whatever. And then I saw this movie, The Kid Detective, just came out, I guess, recently. Oh, yeah. It does that. Yeah. But point being, I love that idea of taking this character and sad sacking him 20 years later. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't want to see him thriving. It's interesting they took his way in. You don't want to see Ralph Macho with the navigating the fucking auto dealership, you know, neither the guy's down on his luck. The the POV, yeah. Right. Yeah that he feels bullied it's hilarious though that uh mm. a persecution complex from a former high school bully you know <laughs> it's uh yeah it's it's it it says something really interesting about the richness of that original movie that you were able to get so much out of it and it doesn't honestly it doesn't feel like a stretch you're right. like this feels like the natural extension mm-hmm. of the karate kid and it is something that people are excited about. I mean, I love the series. Um, it's really cool. It's great, dude. Yeah. I love that they're half an hour long, too. They're a little lighter. It's not trying mm-hmm. to be all dramatic. And, you know, they could easily make it an hour or something. It would just been too much. I oh, like no. That's the, the, the half-hour dramedy is my favorite. Because yeah. you can just bang through them super fast. Yeah, and it's just like, let's go. Dude, what were we watching when I was out there last time when we were pitching Incorruptibles? <laughs> trying to, as lockdowns kicked in. Um, Dave on FX, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. We never finished watching Oh, yeah, it. with Lil Dicky. Yeah, yes. that was pretty good. <laughs> that feels like, that feels like to me, it's like the return of the traditional sitcom. Mm-hmm. Except it's, by the way, like we were having with comics, it's the people that grew up watching mm-hmm. 90s sitcoms and they were like, what's the next step that doesn't make this feel tired and weird? And you get stuff like that, which is like transcendent and so fun and like, yeah, I mean. The subversion is so great. Oh, like, amazing. Yeah, because it feel, you're like, perfect. this feels a little bit, this feels comfortable enough because I've seen things like it and it's done completely differently and it's just g- genre bending and it totally blows my mind. I, I, yeah, big fan. I do wonder, I think there's probably a trove of movies out there that you could probably take and spin off like this. Maybe not as many as you would think, but I feel like each movie might have little germs in it that if you got blazed enough and watched them again, you might extract from them or something don't um, give hollywood any more ideas but <laughs> i shouldn't pitch my ferris bueller sequel huh my color of money ferris bueller sequel anyway um why was it your favorite movie of all the movies that have ever existed what is it about karate kid oh boy said, what a question yeah I mean, um i you know it's one of those movies that i think you stumble into as a kid and for whatever reason it just resonates now by the way i'm was not particularly coordinated. I wasn't into martial arts. I didn't have a handyman as a friend that gave me a car. <laughs> like none of these things represent, I didn't live in Reseda. Um, I just, I think even before I knew what perfect storytelling was and what, you know, the, the 
hero's journey and a traditional characters before I knew any of that stuff. I just was like, this is, you know, brilliant and digestible and I understand it and the whys matter everywhere. And it truly feels like an underdog overcoming these mm-hmm. incredible odds. And it, you know, the eighties, there was a lot of movies and it would have been easy to get lost in the shuffle and it just, it was the shiny diamond. And I've just watched it so many times. And as I watched it as an adult, as I, you know, got into the business and as I wanted to be a screenwriter and I was writing scripts and I was trying to make my way through this and that and da, 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 da. It was one of those ones I kept coming back to that I was like, it just resonates on every level, you know, with the mentor and the shapeshifter. And like, I mean, funnily enough, we don't have to talk about this too much, but one of the earliest specs I wrote was, I called it um, the Karate Kid Part Zero, you know, like <laughs> comics numbering. And it was mm-hmm. this, it was actually the Karate Kid told from Johnny's perspective. Oh, but, shit, no way. Yeah, and you know, of course, like Cobra Kai comes out. Now when it comes out, yeah. The honest trailer. Yeah, no, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And it was, you know, you're you're Johnny Lawrence, and this guy comes from, you know, uh, uh, Jersey, and like beats you up, fights all your friends, like steals your girlfriend, which, I mean, you want to talk about an outdated concept. (laughs) Um, And like, you know, this old man like comes out of nowhere and beats up you and all your friends. And it was just, I I told the story of what happened off screen and everything that we didn't see. Yeah, what was his home life like? A lot of bullies, their home life. Yeah, hurt people, hurt people. That was what it is, is his dad was a shithead and he, you know, he had all the pressure on him that like, you know, he, he came from money, but everyone expected all these things of him and he just wanted to be a normal guy. And like the re you know, there's the scene where Johnny sprays him with water in the bathroom at the dance. Um, the shower cause he's, yeah, cause he's smoking, he's trying to roll a joint and it's because yeah. he has like crippling glaucoma and weed is the only <laughs> oh, thing shit. that like makes him that feel better. It, I love it. And he like ruins the last of his weed. And uh, it's just all those scenes. <laughs> Um, that, that are like, it was goofy. And at the time, you know, I would show it to people and they're like, what, like, you think Billy Zabka is just going to come reprise his role as Johnny (laughs) Lawrence? Like, get out of here. Another 10 or 15 years. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, you know, one of the things I, I, you know, I've talked about with Malcolm a ton over the years is like the only thing worse than being behind the curve is being ahead of the curve. Yeah. Cause at least if you do things five years too late everyone says that's tired if you do things five years too early nobody understands mm. what you're talking about sometimes i feel and like then you see someone else is. do it yeah. yeah i was just thinking because we always say like we probably would have came up in the 70s or whatever and then i'm thinking well things might be cyclical so we might be ahead of our time as well which is worse. some of these things come back yeah which is even worse than being behind the times whatever just keep i mean what's your have you it's been a struggle, I'm sure, over the years, right? I mean, you're firing in all cylinders now, writing career-wise, but sure, it's important for people to know, even guys who are working on these amazing shows toiled for 15, 20 years sometimes, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing is like every overnight success, it was like that was a lot of nights. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I, I don't have the traditional story in that I moved out here and I got a job as an assistant and I did a thing and I did a whatever. And then I wrote a whatever. And then this happened. Um, you know, I grew up out here. I'm fr- uh, when I say out here, I mean, Los Angeles, as you can tell I'm from, I'm in LA. I don't know. Is there a banner, but, um, I grew up out here. So for me, it's the very boring grindy story of like, I got out of high school. I worked in video games um, mostly, and I've had like a bajillion weird jobs. Like I, I was a furniture mover for a couple months. You know, I was like an indie league pro wrestler. Yeah, we're um, gonna dig into that for sure. Which, oh boy, um, you know. So I've had a bajillion jobs like that, but I was just writing the whole time, and I was just trying to get my chops together. And 
I wrote a ton of garbage that is just awful and, you know, exists on a hard drive somewhere and I'm glad nobody can see it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you keep writing and you keep writing and you keep writing. And it, it is literally the boring story of you just keep, you do your 10,000 hours or whatever trite aphorism you want to, you know, uh, 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 subscribe to. And I finally wrote something that was good enough and it got shown to a manager and, you know, then I, you know, who sent it out and, you know, I signed with an agency and I think the first calendar year that, uh, I had my manager from the first, from the, from when I signed with my manager, that first calendar year, I believe I went on like almost 300 meetings, like 290 Crazy. something meetings. And I just met everybody and I went out and I pitched and I, you know, didn't sell things and I tried to get assignments and I didn't. And this That's happened. That's the big benefit of happened. living out there that you could take that many meetings. If you're not living in LA, like we would fly in for a couple of weeks and then they're always getting shuffled and shit. And it's like, yeah. oh, you just got 15 meetings and then you're trying to keep those up by email. And it's just kind of like, we met Nate Moore years ago. We had a meeting with him at Marvel. Fucking awesome okay. dude. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. man, yeah, I'm I mean, we geeked out together with him. I mean, this was years ago, probably seven years ago or something. Oh, yeah. Talking surfer, talking all kinds of shit. I think that's when they were talking about Johnny Depp, possibly, as Doctor Strange and shit. So we were talking to him about that. And, <laughs> Amazing. And it's just like, we felt kind of like, all right, we just had this general with Marvel. Marvel has only so many titles. They're going to hire heavyweights for the most part. Only you know so many mean? titles. They got like 4,000 th That they're going to make. They have oh, released right, slates yeah. and shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. So only so many that are going to come to fruition and be actual jobs or whatever. And so we didn't really keep in touch because we were just like, this, I don't know. They're going to hire hey, a fucking... Jay, and we end up I on other to, projects and stuff. Hey, I used to feel <laughs> the same way. I'm not joking. Well, this is what I, I'm getting at. I'm segueing into networking. No. What do you think the role in networking is played? Because like Malcolm being a homeboy and bringing you in on a show like that helps for sure, right? Uh, yes, I would say it <laughs> does a, a, a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's all other things being equal. If you read two samples and you got to hire one person and you know one of them. Right. Right. And what are you gonna do? You know that 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 is part of it, and and you know, obviously, look, you have to be good enough. Like there is a certain meritocracy, right? You can't just be somebody's loser cousin and make it that far, because eventually someone's gonna find you out. And I think you know, so many of us, myself included, it's like. There is a certain amount of like, oh my God, there's, there is imposter syndrome going on where you're like, are they going to find out? I have no yeah. idea what I'm doing. And so I think, <laughs> who does? you know, who, exactly that, right? who does. Right. No shit. I think these days, you know, call me crazy. There's so many ways to stay in touch with people, be it social media or, uh, you know, video podcast or what, what is this called exactly? Like a YouTube show? This is a is podcast, that what basically. It? We'll release okay. it on Spotify and shit audio too, but okay, got it. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm not hip to the lingo. I don't, uh, dude. We just do it because, like you said, it's fun. I have no fucking clue, yeah. really. Exactly what it is, right. You know? we're, we're just, just like on the. <clears throat> we were just on the phone for hours at a time, anyway. And we were just like, why don't we just, you know, yeah, try exactly. and do something Tape with this? Any socializing I do now, I try and funnel through here. Right. Like, totally. It's like Howard Stern at this point. Like, no, oh, exactly. Hang out, call into the show. Fuck Come it. on to the show, talk to yeah. me, and then leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, networking is incredibly useful because you have to know people, frankly. You can have the, you know, the old, the old adage was like, you can write the best script in the world and leave it on a bus bench and eventually somebody will make it. But you, then you got to write the best script in the world. Right. But you can cut through the noise and you can get a chance if it's somebody you know, somebody you've impressed, somebody you've worked for. And, and you know, you'll hear it a lot from people where it's like you have to work super hard on everything you do 
because you never know who's watching and you never know who's paying attention. And it's like, I mean, use Howard Stern as an example, right? He, he talks about this all the time. His yeah, first job was at dishes. a dishwasher mm-hmm. and he was such a good dishwasher. His boss called him in and was like, I, you have to do a different job because you're, you are so conscientious and so thoughtful about this. And I met Malcolm testing video games awesome. and I, it's like whatever goofiness he could see through to know like, Oh, this kid has some potential. It's like, you know, we've known each other going on 25 years. Crazy. And yeah, we've worked together. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. And, and we really did like, there's pictures of us as kids in his apartment back before like donuts, every bro, (laughs) this was not a good year for a diet. Let me tell you, but, but we were, you know, we were banging on stuff back then. And it's like, you know, again, you have to be, I mean, you, you you have to have the quality, you have to be able to work, you know, it's one thing to get hired and it's another thing to stay on the job. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, all those things, again, I'm just going to repeat the same stuff, but it's true. It's Mm -hmm. incredibly helpful. And the success of the finished product. And as in the case with, you know, Falcon and the winter soldier, et cetera. Yeah. That part's weird. That how is that? Weird. How's that the feel? About, it feels weird to, yeah, I guess. How's that feel? He said, but uh. I, I gotta tell you guys, like, I don't want to sound like thankless or anything. It's so bizarre. Right. Like it is so bizarre. Like certain people that I've known for a decade treat me a little bit differently. <laughs> and I'm like, stop it. Right. It's just, I'm this stop. Yeah. And it was really interesting because so many of my close crazy. friends, I found out like, oh, these are people that are genuinely happy for me and genuinely excited for me. And that was really nice. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's six success. Success is a weird thing because you're not, you're just more of yourself. You know, it didn't, it didn't change anything. Like I didn't, I, I, like, I, I didn't do anything differently. They didn't present me with a certificate of successfulness. (laughs) You're still you. And so you still have to be like a good person and a hard worker and all those things. Like you don't just, yeah. So it's, um, it's cool. I'm glad that the the things that we worked so hard on really resonated with people and that's what i'm noticing yeah, on the show that's what is matters. yeah is that people seem to really like the stuff that we worked really hard on and that part is re- again like that one random line i was talking about i'm pointing over here cuz somebody somebody marvel on their like official instagram account turned it into a meme and a friend of mine pulled it and like had a, a, a visual artist blow it up and like got it framed as like a gift. Like, look, <laughs> you did something. <laughs> and I'm like, it's turned around. It's leaning against a wall. Um, also, I'm wearing shorts, so I don't want to stand up. I don't want you guys down, to see dude. me. <laughs> I'm wearing my, yes, I'm wearing Sell my it NFT. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Uh, no, I'm really, I'm only good from the sternum up. Um, <laughs> That's the reason I frame my shit this way. Yeah, that's exactly. Um, and like, catcher. that is like, yeah, it's bizarre. It's super bizarre. Because, yeah, I've worked on other stuff that I don't think yeah. people responded to quite as much. That uh, you were just as proud of even, or almost as proud of at least. I like, mean, yeah. You know, like, I put in the effort. The intention was in every fucking scene and turn and turn of dialogue. And, you know, Absolutely. And like right. you guys said, I had fun. Like, right. you know, this previous couple movies that, I had worked on, it's like, it was my, like the director is a good friend of mine and we were basically just hanging out, making a movie and it was a blast. And that was a highlight of my career as well. I mean, this is a whole other level. This is like, yeah, this is, I mean, insane. this is stuff I grew Quite, up on. Yeah, exactly. It is. It, it, it's <laughs> bizarre. It is bizarre. Like it's gotta be it, surreal. It is surreal. Dude. Somebody recognized my name at the gym. <laughs> like when I signed in, Crazy. they were like, 
are you, are you a writer? <laughs> and I was like, don't do that. Don't, because this is going to be. That's why weird. I don't go to the gym. I don't, don't need my ah. me. Blown up my That's spot. It. Yeah. No, back to this networking thing again, though, it's yeah, like, it go. feels weird because you don't want to be imposing on people and you don't want to be a ladder climber and shit. So no. what you do is you hope that you grow up with this crew who kind of shines together, like you and Malcolm did. You all came up from the trenches together or whatever. So you kind of network sideways, I think. But of course, Sometimes that doesn't work out. None of your crew becomes the brat pack or whatever, you know it's what I'm true. saying? So then you're like, fuck. So then you're trying to find your way in, ladder climbing, et cetera. So you start a podcast and have people who worked on Marvel shows come on and shit like that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. With I you. see where you're going. <laughs> no, here's what I was really getting at, though. I think the key is, and you're demonstrating this, even with being humble and shit like that, is to one of the things you need in your toolbox as a writer Stephen King didn't talk about this with his toolbox and on writing because he works in a solitary craft of prose. But in this collaborative shit, your personality is a skill that, or at least a tool in your toolbox that I think comes into play. And people should at least try and find a way to be someone that people would want to spend time with in a writer's room for months on end. Or like you said, you and your buddy, the director went and made this movie and you were having a blast, you know, because most people, especially in Hollywood, want to follow your ethos of do what's fun so they're going to want to work with cool fun people you're not morose writers who are so in other words let's just stick to pros exactly <laughs> that's why we're quitting the business we're announcing it now and click yes <laughs> i mean let me not be too you know quippy here but shouldn't all of us not be assholes regardless Absolutely. I mean, that's not Absolutely. all it we takes, preach that yeah. all the time I mean, yeah just but don't be a dick. super nice church ladies i don't want to kick it with necessarily no but. i get it <laughs> but i think yeah most of those are awesome <laughs> I, I, you know one of the things like i i tell i was talking to some younger writers like in a in a writing program right and i'm like look a hundred things have to go right and you're only in control of two of them yeah. you can write good stuff and don't be an asshole boom and that that's really it and and i would just say for networking like if you're a furniture mover, you're going to meet people being a furniture mover because yeah. you don't know if the guy you're working with's cousin is such and such. And, you know, I, I, dude, I used to sweep up a tattoo shop. That was my job for two and a half years. And being a thoughtful, personable person there got me in bizarre a lot of door i pitched a random horror movie because of somebody who came through the tattoo shop once right weird stuff like that and, and so it's like you know i think actors say everything's an audition it's you never know you're going to be out at a bar you're going to meet somebody in line who works for square enix and right. you're a, a, a video game writer and you just talk to them and you're a normal person and you start talking about work and they need somebody and they call you. Right. And, you know, that's a real story. I mean, I worked on a yeah, video game with them. Sure. And that's and, kind and of the thing with taking generals too. It's like so many people going to generals trying to land a job. It's like, no, just go in there and be cool. Be yourself. And both. You, know? you never know what's going to come up. I mean, I yeah. met Nate Moore from, you know, the producer at Marvel. I met Nate Moore on a general two jobs of his ago, back when he was working at a completely different company, right. tried to pitch something over there. It didn't work. He, he, right. We met when he went to his next company. I talked to him back when Marvel was still down in Manhattan Beach before it landed at its current home. Um, and it was just one of those things where it just the right thing had to work out at the right time. And, but you know also yeah nate's a dude that you can go get a beer with yeah exactly i mean he's like a said, we normal... had one meeting with him but he seemed cool as shit he's a mm -hmm. lovely dude he's wonderful to talk to like you know yeah and, and it's our lack of networking skills that made us just not keep in touch and shit <laughs> i get but but <laughs> it's I, tough I when hear... you don't live in town man it's like you're That's just gonna keep thing. emailing people who gives a fuck about no it, but know? i hear what you're saying but there is a way to do that and we all have to find our different ways sure. you know i mean by the way you kind of have a leg up in the sense that it takes 45 seconds to send a funny email and you got to spend like an hour and a half driving across town getting a drink doing a mm. thing da, 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 da. oh trust me if i could zoom through the rest of my life dude <laughs> i'm not wearing anything 
down below. I feel like we're going to have some options moving forward. (laughs) Um, No, but I think, I mean, again, everyone, every path is different. There's a lot of ways not to do it. And there's a lot of ways to do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, not living in LA makes it more difficult for sure. Like let's not lie to anybody, but you can figure something out. All right, fuck all this Hollywood shit. Let's dig into wrestling and dog rescue for a minute because that's shit that I, you really dear to your heart, right? Yeah, and I know way more about it, by we the way. We probably should have been talking about that for <laughs> the whole hours, time. But we got overtime. Go. Hey, stick around, folks. When the buzzer sounds, there will be an overtime if you throw a buck at our patron to get access to all of them. Um, I'm worth $1. Yeah, at least once. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of memes, wrestling, man. I take it a childhood love, just probably right alongside comics, right? Did you grow yep. up on Big John Stud and Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and the all fucking... of you love? Yeah, my kid is seven. I all right, eighties era was into wrestling. Once I got into martial arts, which I started doing and shit, I didn't care about wrestling as much for some reason. Right. And uh, since then, it's been you know MMA and real fighting and shit for me, mm-hmm. as far as an interest goes. Um, but. My seven-year-old, somehow, I didn't even introduce him to it, is all about WWE shit now. So I've been learning about all these new characters through, like, the video game he's playing and shit, right? So good. But uh, so good. I definitely, it's one of those things, it's like organized religion to me, and that I see what people see in it, but it just doesn't quite hit for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I see all the things that people love about it, and they're passionate people about it, you know? Yourself, I'm sure, included, right? But. absolutely it's a it's a violent soap opera or telenovela right. that's all it is it's just people it's weekly storytelling right um and it's you know it, it's a specific kind of fictional storytelling and you know there's a lot of youtube creators that do justice to why wrestling is amazing a lot more than i will mm-hmm. but it's like you think about this is you are spending like it's real time it's fictional storytelling in real time if you've been watching monday night raw for 20 years 20 years have passed for reality tv but there's this Mm. yeah right yes but the time passes for the wrestlers as well john cena is 15 Mm. years older than he was 15 years ago it's not like friends where it's or like spider-man right in the comics and we always talked about that that it's like how many decades has it been but he's only aged peter parker was a teenager for 30 years (laughs) and then they bumped him up to be in like 26 20s and married to a model and shit (laughs) which is fine right because over the course of five years maybe only a week happens now have you ever dreamt but with wrestlers it's just you can't help but them age have you ever dreamt about elevating the storytelling at all or do you like it the way it is in wrestling yeah and i'm not trying to insult it at all because it's it's just not trying to tell super sophisticated stories that's all i'm saying for a reason you know i mean what it does is that exactly is that what it's supposed to right i'm wondering if you've ever if that idea would interest you at all you think that would be a problem like it probably you know i think there's room for everything i think i think that you know you could do well like when you watch sort of like you know, some of the, uh, what do they call it? The cinematic matches that they do now, like the Firefly Funhouse or the Grave something match that Undertaker had at uh, uh, WrestleMania a year ago, where they actually shoot them and tell them as stories instead of performing yeah, them all live. That's what I'm wondering about, that evolution of it, yeah. I think it's fantastic. I think it's unbelievable. I love the sort of late 70s, early 80s, territory style wrestling Ooh, where you just, circus. yeah, you go walk and you talk to Gordon Soley on a microphone and then climb into the ring that's right behind you and then fight the dude you <laughs> were talking about. <laughs> I'm like, I love both of them. And I think there is room for all of that. I thought that um, um, Lucha Underground was amazing because it was almost literally just a telenovela, but instead of an argument, it was a wrestling match. Um, I, I I I think there's room for all of I think wrestling is such an is such a unique storytelling medium. Mm-hmm. It's un it is not a sitcom or just a weekly television show. The same way that you can't just take a novel and turn it into a comic book and turn that into a movie and turn that into a painting and turn that into a radio play. All of those things are different. 
and they need different things. I think wrestling is just a unique, bizarre, Frankenstein amalgamation of storytelling styles that if done well, all those versions work. It works if there's no story. Think about it. It's almost timeless, very Greek as far as Absolutely. the verbal storytelling, the wrestling of it, the pancreation of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. I think there's, I think there's value to all that stuff. You can, let me ask you this before you get out of here. Okay. You got to give us some nuggets on Captain America four. I've seen the rumors. There's several articles. What happens? Tell us, go. Not a hundred percent sure what you're even referring to. I cannot confirm anything about that. I will do this. (laughs) 